we're going to um, discuss a little bit of some principles of, of, of actually Judaism. Um, we know that uh, one of the we're talking about taking responsibility. Um, we're talking about people having and making the right choices. And that people are in, in control um, of their destiny. At least as far as, you know, doing the right thing or the wrong thing, they can choose. There is not a choice in everything, but as far as doing the right thing or the wrong things is something which we can. Um, in the Hebrew, it's called the Bechirach of Shit. That means that the person has a free choice. Meaning, he has the freedom to choose, to choose to do the right things. And the um, Maimonides devotes uh, many, in many parts of his writings, in the Mora Nevuchim, the Guide for the Perplexed, in his introduction to the Mishnah, and also in his book of Halacha, in Yara Chazoka, he also uh, devotes a lot of attention to this, to this matter of freedom of choice. And he says that if we are accountable, if we get rewarded for doing the right things, or if we get punished for doing the wrong things, we must have the uh, freedom of choice to choose to do the right and wrong thing because it would not really add up to hold somebody accountable and punish them or reward them for something that they had no choice they were meant to do. So why would we punish them or, or reward them? So there has to be freedom of choice. And of course, the Rambam discusses, Maimonides discusses, well, how does this fit with saying that God knows everything. So if God knows if we're going to be righteous, does it mean that we are forced to be righteous? Or if God wants us to, uh, God thinks we're going to be evil, did he, does he dictate that we need to be evil? I mean, what is, or does it, are we going to say that God doesn't know? I mean, he discusses, the Rambam discusses a lot of these issues over there, but but one of the difficulties that Maimonides has, and he addresses it, and he says a lot of people have had difficulty, is with this week's Parsha. Because we read in the Parsha, God is saying to Moshe that I am going to harden the heart of Pharaoh, and he won't let the people out. So that means God is saying... I am going to take make away. take away his choice, right. and then I'm going to beat him up yes. for uh, for not letting him out. But if you're not giving him a choice, right. so what's going on over here? Well, according to Maimonides, says like he writes, he says, "Well, God said to Abraham that your children will be in slavery for 400 years, so that means that the Egyptians were supposed to enslave them because God said that they're going to enslave them. So why is it bad that if they enslave them, if God said that they're going to do this? So that's what they were supposed to do. 
But that the Rambam's view is, and again, there's a lot of, we're not going to be able to discuss, I want to just do a little the Rashi and the Chumash over the Rebbe's interpretation. But the Rebbe, the Rambam writes over there, he says, in that case, the Rambam says that it's, it's sort of, he says, it will be, for example, if a person said, well, the people in the city, some will be evil and some will be good. So can anybody say, well, I'm going to be evil because Hashem said some is going to be evil. It's not uh, directly ordained that you need to be the evil one. God says that the Egyptians will enslave them, but that doesn't mean that each individual Egyptian who had his own freedom of choice to do it or not, they are accountable for what their bad choices are. So they would have to pay for their bad choices. But it means that in a general way, they were supposed to um, they were supposed to um, be slaves in Egypt, but that didn't excuse anybody themselves. There's further. There's a lot of other explanations also that go along with that. But the the difficulty that we are having over here is is with this particular case when Hashem says to Moshe that go to Pharaoh and warn him and sort of tell, let my people go. And it almost seems that God knows that he ain't going to let the people go because he said he's going to harden his heart. So the first question would be, A, did Pharaoh have a choice or not? So we want to know, did Pharaoh really have a choice or he didn't have a choice? Did God take away the choices from him, as it seemed? And on the other hand, it seems that he's (laughs) threatening him. He's saying, if you're not going to let them go, then something bad is going to happen to you. So it seems like on one hand, God is saying, but on the other hand, God is saying, you have a choice. So it's, does he or doesn't? That's number one, the question we want to talk about. And the other question would really be, um, what's the purpose in going to Pharaoh and speaking to him? If God wants to uh, beat up on Paro. He wants to give him the plagues. He wants to punish him. He doesn't have to tell him beforehand that he's going to beat him. He can just bring the plagues on him. What's this whole discussion all the time before Hashem brings the plague? He sends Moshe and Moshe discusses with him and then the plagues come. What is this whole thing? So, basically, I want to say there is two categories that we can define in two categories the makas, the ten plagues, we can find one of the two categories. Some of them, God did not bring to Pharaoh as a, um, as a choice. Pharaoh has done many terrible things till that point. As we know, he threw the babies in the water, he used to kill them, and he made them work, and he wanted to uh, stand up against Hashem, against his people. So Pharaoh did a lot, a lot of bad things. And those were, of course, his choice. He was his freedom. He chose, he chose to do evil. He chose to do bad. Okay, so that, so that was a long history. But now, for some of the things that he has done, God wanted to punish him. So some plagues came just as a punishment. They came as a punishment. You're going to be plagued. You're going to have a, 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 a maka. You're going to be smitten. Why? For what you have done. Another one set of makas comes out. Now, notwithstanding the fact Hashem said, I hardened his heart, 
But if you read in the Maka, you read in the beforehand, you will see that God is actually telling him, he's giving him a choice. And he's saying to him, if you won't send out, they're not just a punishment, but rather they're a threat and a warning to him that you better let them out, because if you don't let or else, you will be punished severely. And Hashem <coughs> comes through with this threat all the time. So there are two categories here. One category is just simply a punishment for what you've done. Now, we can understand if God wants to give him a threat and a chance to do other, otherwise or to make the right choice, we can understand why Moshe Rabbeinu needs to come and tell him the choices so that he give an opportunity to do what's right. But in a case where it's just a punishment for what he's already done, it almost seems like Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't need to go to Paro and tell him uh, what's going to... Let him just punish him. I mean, he's not, he doesn't have to comply to anything. But it's pointing out the connections to Letting him know why it's coming. Exactly. That's exactly right. As we're going to see in the verse. Because there, there was another purpose in telling him so that Pharaoh should know... Because when something happens in your life, you don't necessarily connect the dots. You can say it happened because it happened. How is Pharaoh going to know that the plague of blood came to him as a punishment because he's not letting the Jews out? If Moshe tells him, look, because you didn't let the Jews, he's not giving him a choice, but he's telling him, because you didn't let him out, you're going to see that there's going to be blood there. Then he says, well, how would Moshe Rabbeinu know that, that means that he has some knowledge about how things are happening. So Moshe Rabbeinu so is telling him. So it turns out there's two types of encounters with Paro. In one type, we're just basically letting Paro know. We're testifying to Paro. We're telling Paro, listen Paro, I'm telling you this is what's going to happen. You should know why it's going to happen. It's not just an occurrence. This doesn't happen. It happened because you're not letting them out. In the other case, we're going to see Pharaoh has a choice. Moshe Rabbeinu says to him, if you let them out, you're not going to have the plague. If you don't let them out, you're going to get the plague. Okay, so let's do inside now. So here we say, yeah? I have a question. Sure. Um, the Egyptians were also impacted, not just Pharaoh. And I'm wondering if there was a possibility that Hashem wanted the Egyptians to perhaps recognize what was happening and say, you're not listening to this man who is telling you the true word of Hashem and then overthrow Pharaoh and join their cause. I think the formal government was once more, was more like of a dictatorship, like it's going on in the third world countries. There was no talk of throwing over or anything like that. And it wasn't the when the summer spring. It wasn't the spring uh, that they're making. Yeah. But by but by Marcus I think. But actually, by the beginning of boy, they said the servants said, "Let them go." Right. So what happened is they themselves also at first did not want to see the Jews go. But as it was progressing, they finally said, okay, it's time that we speak up exactly what Ravi's saying. It took time for them to finally say, okay, maybe... We find in the beginning of the next Parsha that they're getting more involved. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's a good point. And uh, the Torah over here seems to... Power represents all of Egypt. We're not 
In this case, we're not singling out, and we're not distinguishing between... I mean, we see Paro... Well, Paro led it, because he said he told to his people, let's have a Well, it was initiative Paro, but it, it, it seems pretty clear that they were all in it. You know, maybe he started it, but it's like any time, you know, when you have a classroom of kids and they're all getting through. So, well, he started, he said first. Okay, well, that might be true, but everybody who participates, follows, is, is, is still... So guilty. Maybe so many people started, and he started. It. Yeah. Hello. All right. So. Like I was saying, like, why is everybody punished for one thing? Okay, but the, 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 um, the unfortunate thing is it takes one person to incite. And if the other people, people are accountable for their actions, no matter, sometimes it's a lot harder. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit about it later on also. They may have some sort of a reason. Just in the current law, it wouldn't work either. You know, if you go and you kill somebody, it doesn't matter. Uh, most of the time, people have a good reason, you know, why they did what they did. You know, either they're, it's usually the mother's fault, and it's usually, <laughs> and it's usually somebody else. It's always, it's always, it's always blaming. People don't usually, in most cases, people don't take responsibility. And they try to, what? And, oh, well, yeah, yeah. And they try to shift and decide they blame some other people for what they've done. And, and you know, th- it doesn't mean that there isn't some validity to it. It all means, you know, like that, uh, the joke I like to say about that. I'm not sure if you heard this one about these, this warden uh, comes, brings around the, um, I guess the governor is coming around seeing all the prisoners. And they're asking everybody what they're in for, and each one, ah, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Nobody did it. This one, uh, you know that one? You know? No. They asked this one, why are you for? No, they, they framed me. It was my, uh, somebody else did it, and they just blaming me for it, and I had a terrible youth. I was brought up, you know, everything, you know. You cannot, yeah, okay. And oh, nobody, nobody's guilty of anything, okay. And there was one, one, one Jewish fellow sitting there as well. He says, uh, what are you in for? He says, look, you know, I have a large family. I have to feed them and didn't have enough money yet. Went into the store. They were hungry. I shoplifted. I took some food and I'm here. So, and they got me and um, put me into this place here. So the governor says, you, you go free. So all the other people say, he's the only admitted felon. Yeah. We're all saying, we didn't do anything. And he's the only one that did something. How come he gets to go free? He says, I don't want him to corrupt you guys. I just want to know how you remember each story. Brilliant. So, okay, so the thing is like this. So, the... Hashem was saying, uh, Hashem was sending Moshe to, to, to Pharaoh for two reasons. One of them is just to make sure Pharaoh or his people, the Egyptians, you know, they should know that there's accountability, that there's something going on over there. So they should connect. And Hashem is telling him, look, I'm telling you this is going to happen. So sometimes to warn him. And then the question is going to be, did he have a choice or not, which we're going to address. But let's look inside now. So it says, what were the two, yeah? Oh, sorry. 
Okay. So the question is, what were the two categories of plagues brought unto the Egyptians? Okay, so there's two categories. A, a punishment for what they have already done. And B, a warning that if they do not comply, then the plague will come. So those are the two. It's okay. What would be the example of A? That where would, which plague would be example of A? So that would be verse 16, which we're going to read, which Hashem says, until now you have not hearkened. Hashem isn't saying that you should let them go now. He's only saying, until this point, you have not hearkened. So why don't we start with you, Janice. Read the verse 16 for us. And you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews sent me to you, saying, send forth my people, so that they may serve me in the desert. But behold, until now, you have not So in this case, there is no command to send them out. There is no threat of anything coming. Hashem just says, what follows that verse is, as we're going to see in the next verse, what follows is the plague is coming. There is no command to let them go. There is no threat that if you don't let them go, there is nothing. There is only a plague coming that. But Hashem says it. Now, in a situation where there is a threat, we understand the need to warn in order to see if they will comply. But in the case where it is just a punishment for what they have done, why do we need to tell them this? What is the point of it? Which was the question that I asked before. And verse 17 says, with this you will know that I am the Lord. So Hashem is saying that that will make you know that. And this follows. So we'll do one of you, Heidi, do the next verse, 17. So said the Lord, with this you will know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with, with the staff that is in my hand upon the water that is the Nile, and it will turn to blood. And this is, so Hashem is basically saying, you will know that I'm God, that I'm the one that, that, that is in charge. I'm the one that is smiting you. So basically, what the purpose of telling Pharaoh was, to teach him and to know that this is coming as a punishment. So now the question is, what would be examples of B in which God gave him, which of the plagues which God gave him the choices? So I say he had Sephardea, that's the second one. Okay, then you have Orev, Dever, and Arbe. We're going to read through all the verses. I took out just the verses in which we find that Hashem is threatening him and telling uh, Pharaoh, Moshe is telling Pharaoh that you better let them go. Okay, so uh, Nancy, do 27. Yeah, okay, but you know, everybody, Dom, Tzvardeya, Kinim, Orov, Dever, you know, we do it in the Kin, Barad, Arbe, Chayz, Okay, you know what, we're, we're, we're going to cover all the Makas over here. We're going to cover all the 10 Makas. Okay, 27. Okay, but. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your borders with frogs. Now, what does this tell you? Is Hashem giving him a choice? Yes. He says, if you refuse to let them go, then I will do that. So here we see quite clearly. All right, why don't you do another one? Do 17. This is the one with the order, with the mixture of animals. Okay, for 17. Do. For if you do not let my people go, behold, I will incite against you and against your servants and against your people and in your houses a mixture of noxious creatures. And the houses of Egypt will be filled with the mixture of noxious creatures, as well as the land upon which they are. So again, what do we see over here clearly? 
that these creatures are going to come only if he refuses, if you do not let my people go. But if he lets them go, so it's very clearly, again, God is giving him a choice to allow for him to see to it if he can avoid this plague. Okay, and let's go in verse 2. This is with the um, verse 2, 3, and 4. As well as okay. Two, yeah. Oh, if you refuse to, if you refuse to let them go, and you still hold on to them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be upon your livestock that is in the field, upon the horses, upon the donkeys, upon the camels, upon the cattle, and upon the sheep. A very severe pestilence. For if you refuse to. Okay, let stop. Them no, go, this is this is next. Behold, this is the next one. Wait, this is the next plague. So now we're just talking about what we're talking about that there will be, the hand of the Lord will be on them. So here we see that the Dever, that's the plague, the, the plague of Dever, also came, as it says in two clearly, if you refuse to let them go. And finally, uh, we'll do the next one, the Arbe. For if you refuse to let them go, behold, tomorrow I am going to bring locusts into your borders. Okay, so here we have, as if you look below the number 17 before, I, Tzvardea, Orev, Dever, and Arbe, and all these four, there was clearly a choice for him to do one way or the other. Wow. Dam, the first one, there was no choice. Over there, God just told him that this was going to take place. Okay, what about the plague of Barad? What happened with the plague of hail? What about the plague of, plague of Barad? What over there? So over there is interesting. Over there we find it halfway sort of the things. Over there, the verse only says the instruction to send them out, but it does not record a threat if you refuse to send them out. Over there the Torah just says send them out, but it doesn't say, so it almost seems also there is no choice over there to him. There is an instruction. Unlike Dom, by the first one, there wasn't even an instruction to let him out. It's just... There will be blood. Over here, he tells them, send them out. But it doesn't say if you don't send them out. So apparently this also doesn't seem like it is a choice. As we're going to, you want to read 13. So do 13, as we'll see over here, 13 and 14. The Lord said to Moses, rise early in the morning and stand erect before Pharaoh and say to him, so said the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go so that they may worship me. Okay, yeah. Because this time I am sending all my plagues into the world, heart, and into your servants, and into your people, in order that you know that there is none like me in the entire earth. Continue the next verse, follow the verses 15 and 16. For if now I had stretched forth my hand, and I had smitten you and your people with pestilence, you would have been annihilated from the earth. But for this reason, I have allowed you to stand in order to show you my strength and in order to declare my name all over the earth. So here you see there is no threat over here. And Rashi, and, and the, the verses are almost declaring the same as we learned earlier, that this is for the purpose of knowing and recognizing that Hashem is in control, Hashem brings these things. But it wasn't like, in this case, giving him a choice. In this case, it was also just an instruction. Let them go. Now, one has to imagine, even in those cases where Hashem didn't give him a choice, and he's just saying, I'm punishing you, what would have happened if he chose to let them go on his own without being threatened? 
And maybe he could have averted the 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 the, the, the penalty. Well, that 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 that's uh, that's something that might have happened or not. We don't know. But we just know that it wasn't placed to him in a form of a condition of a threat, but it was just as a punishment. Okay, so now, how many makas did we cover? So we covered dam. Okay. Dam, Tzvardeya. Okay, and Orev, Deborah. We covered six. We covered six, dam, and then four and five. So we did this, and one is six. So we have three plus Makas Bechorus. Makas Bechorus is the last one, which was very clearly, Hashem says to him, also the threat over there. But now we have, the, what, what about the other three? So that's my question over here. What about the plagues of Kinim, Shechin, and Choshen? Those are the other three. Okay, you want to translate it? Bodies, boils, and blisters, and darkness. Okay. What about those? It's interesting. Those, in these three Makas, the Pasuk does not record the part of Moshe notifying Pharaoh. It doesn't say it all. Hashem, it doesn't say, it just says that Hashem brought those plagues, but it doesn't say that Moshe Rabbeinu came to Pharaoh and he even told him anything. If you read in the text, and the reason I haven't recorded it is because there's no text to record over there. I mean, well, I could have recorded the plagues without showing that it doesn't show this, but I didn't do that. But the, the verse just relates about that there was kinim over there and there was uh, choshech and there was shechin. It doesn't say that Moshe came to Pharaoh and he spoke to Pharaoh. So one can assume maybe maybe Moshe didn't go to Pharaoh in those. Maybe Hashem just brought him. There was actually Moshe never went. He didn't go to Pharaoh at all because the Torah doesn't record it and maybe it didn't, ha- it didn't happen. But it's very interesting. When you read in the Chomesh all the time, like for example, if you say, if the Torah says God spoke unto Moses, right? He tells him, say to the sons of Israel. God says to Moses to tell the sons of Israel such and such. Now sometimes you will find that later on, Moses spoke to Israel that this is what God has said. So you have both. You have a record of God speaking to Moshe, and then you also have a record of Moshe speaking to the sons of Israel. So you have both. But many times we only have one part of it. So sometimes the Torah will say, God speak to, uh, God spoke to Moses to tell the sons of Israel, and we don't find the record that Moshe Rabbeinu said it to the sons of Israel. The assumption is, if God told him, Moshe Rabbeinu told it to the sons of Israel. Sometimes you will find Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the sons of Israel as God has told him, without finding that God that, that that record that God has told him to Moshe. So the Torah is full of these places. In other words. The fact that there is no record doesn't mean that it didn't take place. The Torah doesn't write everything. Now, again, of course, one can study and try to figure out how come sometimes this way, sometimes that's enough time to keep you busy for a lifetime <laughs> trying to figure out every single time. And I'm sure there is explanation for it. But certainly, uh, the fact that it doesn't say that Moshe Rabbeinu came to Pharaoh should not imply that Moshe Rabbeinu did not come to Pharaoh, because it may be the Torah did just not record that part of the story. According to the simple approach of the commentators, it seems like all plagues Moshe Rabbeinu first came. By all plagues, Moshe Rabbeinu first came to him. And this is not unique for that. Hello? Okay.
Okay, so um, so the, the the commentators do assume, without having it written to Farish specifically, that they were all uh, symmetrical in all cases. Moshe Rabbeinu came to Pharaoh. He warned him. They say he took each one was each plague was four weeks. One week he was warning him, and the second, the other three weeks was the plague. So there was uh, there was a uh, an order of the way things that took place. Okay, so now the commentators say here also that Moshe did notify Paro for all the plagues, even those that are not explicitly recorded in the Torah, he did notify him. And it's really only our guess to know whether he threatened him or he just notified him or maybe not. We don't know. We don't know. It's not written, so why we don't... Do we, why do we have to assume that he threatened? It doesn't say, so he didn't threaten No, but he came to him. We're not saying that he threatened him. We just don't know whether he threatened him or he just notified him or something. But I'm saying the point we're trying to say is Moshe Rabbeinu did communicate it to Pharaoh beforehand exactly in what kind of a form. It doesn't say, and we're not, we're not alluding to that. Okay. So this all tells us now, especially problematic that we have, that we need to understand, is in those cases where Moshe Rabbeinu told him that he has a choice, I mean, that would seem unreasonable. A, why would he be punished if he had a choice? If he, if, uh, I mean, if he didn't have a choice. But how does this fit his choice? It seems like one of the pieces doesn't seem to be true. One of them doesn't seem to be true. In one hand, is, is, is Moshe Rabbeinu's uh, statement to him not genuine? What is he? Is he saying to him, if you don't let go, is that not really, he doesn't really mean, he knows that he can't, that he, that he can't send them out, that he's going to refuse? Is he just playing the game, so to speak? That's kind of hard to say about Moshe Rabbeinu. And on the other hand, we see the verse that Hashem says, he's not going to let him go. So how, what one is it? Yeah? Pharaoh had a good memory, he would have known that someone from the Jewish people was going to survive in spite of his decree for the killing of the firstborn. Okay. And it seems to me that Pharaoh considers himself to be God, and therefore he gets to make the decisions, unfortunately, yeah. for him and his people. Yeah. Okay, that was his, that was his view. Um, but uh, did he... Was he forced into that view, or that was something that he chose in his own his own mind? Is that did God raised. force him to choose that way? Who put this thing in his mind? He was raised to believe that he was a god. Okay, it's good. Well, that, that's that's definitely true. Let's see the verse. And let's see what Rashi says about this. This Rashi says about this. Okay, continue, Heidi. What you do for us? Uh, verse nineteen. What does that say? He's not going to let you go. He needs a mighty hand. Next. And I will stretch forth my hand and smite the Egyptians with all my miracles that I will reach in their midst and afterwards he will send you out. And, okay. Now, number three. Okay, but. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart and I will increase my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. I feel like I'm reading the Haggadah. Okay, so what does it say? <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's the Haggadah. So what does it say? It says, harden Paro's heart. I'll increase my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Okay, so let's do the Rashi over here. Rashi addresses this question. Rashi says, but, I will, I will read, but I will harden. Since, and Rashi is actually troubled 
if Hashem is hardening his heart, how could he punish him? Okay, how could he punish him? So he says like this, and, and soon we're going to address whether his heart was hardened. Rashi makes sort of a compromise, we'll see in a minute. But I will harden. Rashi says, since he, Pharaoh, behaved wickedly and defied me. So in other words, he has already gone beyond. He's behaved wickedly to Hashem, he's defied Hashem. He not only didn't listen to Hashem, but he defied, because when you learn in the languages that he used to Hashem, he says, who is God that I should listen to him? He was in a very brazen way. He wasn't just not listening or letting them go, but similar to maybe perhaps what Robbie said, he's a God too. He says, who do you think is a God? I'm also a God. I'm not letting them go. And I know, and Hashem also says, I know full well that there is no delight amongst the nations to make a wholehearted attempt to repent. Now, again, exactly what is the meaning about this? But the bottom line is, it seems like Rashi is saying here, I can't expect that there's going to be a change of heart over here. In other words, I don't, there's not going to be a change of heart, sort of say, well, maybe if we give him a chance, maybe he's going to change his mind. So, what Rashi is saying is, uh, so then, it is better for me that his heart be hardened. So now, basically, as Maimonides says it in a little different words, but a similar way, part of Paro's punishment was that his choice was taken away. So he's getting the plagues for what he's done. And since he has behaved defiantly towards Hashem, so therefore Hashem has taken away his choice. So when he's getting, when he's getting punished, He's not getting punished for not sending him a hell self now that he can't help himself. He's getting already punished for everything that he's done. So why does Hashem take away his, point, his chance now, his choice now? Because Hashem wants to send a message. You know, a lot of times, you know, as parents, you know, we tell our children, we tell them, you know, you must do this or else you're going to have to suffer the consequence. And we have to make sure that we follow through with our threats. Because if we don't follow through with the threat, then we're sending the clear message is that, you know what? There's meaningless what I said. And if Hashem gives, if you always give another chance, and maybe your heart tells you, let me give another chance, and let me, you know, you don't want to uh, be cruel, or you don't want to take away something which your child would really enjoy, and you say to yourself, okay, let me give another chance. But the problem is, Hey, what about the other children who are, or the other kids in the classroom who are seeing this and they're saying, well, it doesn't really add up because you don't have to because at the end uh, they don't stick to what they said anyways. Um, and therefore, uh, Hashem has a, 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 a reason to sort of teach everybody a lesson so that other people will see and learn that there is accountability, that there is uh, punishment, that there is uh, consequences for what we do. And therefore, Hashem says, you know what? In this case, He has defied me already. And I really want to sort of show the world that for defiance, you get punished. And for a lot of defiance, you get punished a lot. 
And even though he is not really defying at this point, and I'm not letting him uh, let them go at this point, but it looks like he's defying still, he's not letting them go, and everybody is getting in the meantime a, a strong message that for defying Hashem, you get punished. So Hashem is sort of going on and taking this on. So he's being punished really to take away his... his and Hashem doesn't really think that just giving him the continue the freedom of choice is going to be because some other things going to change. Yeah. Can we say that he did not take away his freedom of choice? He just made it harder for him to be able to do the tshuva. He made it harder for him to you be take, able to do the same thing. You're taking away my. Uh, uh, that's the whole point of the sicha. That's the whole point of the sicha, actually. Okay, didn't I cheat? But, yeah, I told, told you last year. So you know. <laughs> Because the, the, heart, the heart was hardened, but he still could have put forth his answer totally okay. yes, to overcome it. Right. Okay. All right, you're all taking away my thunder. Maybe I'll sit around the table and let you sit up here. It makes you look better. Good. 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 Yeah. Good. Good. I also have to retract what I said earlier because I'm remembering now that, and I'm thinking that his intention, Pharaoh's intention was to convince his people that he was God, even though he himself had to have known that he was not God, because I believe I read where he would go into the Nile to relieve himself because a God doesn't need to. That's, uh, yeah, well, it's a little bit of both. You know, there's a certain level you convince yourself after... <laughs> trying to tell everybody, yeah. and then you convince yourself. There's like a very gray area over there between believing it yourself or not believing it or convincing others. But anyway, let's just finish up what it says but here. So it says, I'm mentioning this now is because what you're saying is that Hashem took away his freedom of choice. Maybe it's not going to show It's not as so simple as you're saying, because let's just say one second, but you know, it needs, it's, it's, it's a big chiddush. We'll tell you in one second. Okay, so Hashem is saying to him, and you will recognize my mighty deeds. And so is the custom of the Holy One, blessed be He. He brings retribution of the nations so that Israel should hear and fear. As it is said, I have cut off nations, their towers have become desolate. I said, surely you will fear me, you will accept reproof. Basically from, from Tzifania. But basically, sometimes... God has a, a reason that he wants to show that there is accountability. So he, he makes an example of someone who he takes away his choices now, and he wants to make him as an example for others to learn that they should do the right things. Nevertheless, and this is a very key point. Nevertheless, it says, in the first five plagues, it does not say, and the Lord strengthened Pharaoh's heart, but Pharaoh's heart remains steadfast on his own. Basically, Rashi makes a distinction over here between the first five plagues and the sixth plague. In the first five plagues, actually, Pharaoh didn't need Hashem's help to be stubborn. <laughs> he was stubborn on his own. But where does it come to, where does it come in when the verse over here? This verse actually I quoted after this. This is written earlier, actually, I recorded later. But in this verse beforehand when Hashem is saying I will harden your heart it was only necessary starting with the sixth plague over there because it makes only sense that after being beaten five times already yeah. finally even a thick headed guy like Pharaoh would get the message you know he knows what's, what's going on 
But still, at that point, he sort of didn't have a choice. That Hashem hardens heart. So now, it comes out that um, uh, the first five, when we learn about Hashem, when Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu comes to warn him and say, let them out, he could have let them out. He had the freedom of choice. And those five times, the first five times, when it came to him, he actually could have, if he wanted, if he wished to, he could have let them out. But he didn't want to. The, five, the one that we have is, okay, so we say like this, if Hashem made Pharaoh's heart heavy, so what was the purpose to go and warn Pharaoh? We, uh, we know he won't let them go. According to Rashi, in the first five plagues, Pharaoh's uh, hardened his heart, and he had no choice. After the first five, at the plague of Arba, what? According to Rashi, the first five. He had a choice. But didn't harden Yeah, he had his choice. Pharaoh hardened his heart by himself. And he had choice. He hardened his own heart, and he had choice. He didn't have to. But after the first five, at this plague of Arba, he was warned. But he did not have a choice. It was Hashem, so to speak, mocking him. Mm-hmm. So here, if you read, we'll do the next three verses over here. If you'll see, this is actually the beginning of, of next week's parsha. So over here, that we talked before, in this case, you see the verse doesn't just say in very short, but it goes through. Uh, let's do, we'll go around one more time around the table. Janice, you want to say, you want to go to the two? <coughs> Do verse 1. Let's do verse 1, 2, and 3, and then we'll discuss this, okay? The Lord said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart. Again, we're talking about hardening his heart again. And the heart of his servants, in order that I may place these signs of mine in his midst. And in order, continue. And in order that you tell into the ears of your son and your son's son how I made a mockery of the Egyptians, and that you tell of my son. Here, I want to just stop at the key word over here. Uh, On the on the on the last last word over here, I made a mockery of the Egyptians. What does it mean? I made a mockery of the Egyptians. What is the mockery that Hashem made of the Egyptians? The way the Rebbe understands this mockery, that is in of itself. That he's giving them a choice, but he's not really giving them a choice. That is called the mockery of, and this is the first time the Rebbe says, after the, starting with the sixth makkah, with the plague, where Hashem is warning him. And in this case, Hashem is warning him, because as you see in the verse, he's saying to him, whether you're going to go out or you're not going to go out, you're going to let them out. And here, for finally, the servants that you mentioned before, Continue thirty and four. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, So said the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, and they will worship me. Four. Four. You refuse to let them go. Behold, tomorrow I am going to bring locusts into your borders. And the question is, did Pharaoh really not have a choice? And it seems almost clearly, well, the Pasuk says... The Pasuk says, some of the commentators say, you know, what's this whole thing over here in the bottom? When we say here, God is saying again, Boel Paro, which is, by the way, I just want to say, what does the meaning of Boel Paro mean? Go to Paro. Bo means what? Oh, come. 
What does it mean come to Paro? Why does it go to Paro? Very good. Why does it go to Paro? Shem was saying to Moshe, Moshe was saying, I'm afraid, where am I going to go? Just come, come, come with me. <laughs> He's saying, Bo, let's go, we're going to go together. So, sort of, Bo, let's go, let's go, come, come, let's go to Paro. But Moshe Rabbeinu was wondering, what's the purpose of going to Paro? If, for the same question that we've been asking here. I mean, he's not going to listen. And the other thing is, it almost seems that Shem is saying, come to Pharaoh, for I've hardened his heart. For I've hardened his heart is not a reason to go to Pharaoh, it's a reason not to go there. <laughs> Why are we going to go to Pharaoh if he's not going to listen? Well, Hashem explains it. This is part of the mockery, what he's doing. He's saying, come to Pharaoh, let's warn him. He doesn't really have a choice. When you read the Pusik, it says, Hashem says, I've hardened his heart, so I can place the sign. So, he talked, so it seems like... He didn't have the choice. But here is the point that you were all saying. It actually, on the simple level, when we learn the Parsha, on the simple level, the way Rashi learns it in the simple, it almost seems like uh, Pharaoh didn't have a choice. But you know, a lot of times you will ask uh, someone, uh, ask your students, why didn't you get up in the morning? Because I can't get up in the morning. What do you mean you can't get up in the morning? I, everybody, everybody gets up in the morning. I can't get up in the morning. All right, so now you can say, some people find it very hard to get up in the morning. Some people don't find it hard. A lot of people have different things that they find very hard to do. Some people can't do various different things because that's difficult for them. You know, we talk a lot about today, we talk about addictions. You know, so somebody smokes. Can't quit smoking. Now, you ask him, well, what do you mean you can't smoke? How come I'm not smoking and the other one is not smoking? What do you... He said, but I'm addicted. Now the question is, is somebody who's addicted to smoking or to gambling, to alcohol, to any other kind of addictions, does it really mean that they have no choice? It doesn't mean they have no choice. They don't want it. It's not that they, they It's yeah. very, 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 very difficult. You see, it says that, for example, it says, the Talmud says, that if a person says, you know what? I am going to do sins, and then I'm going to repent. So, you know, he says, look, I'll do whatever my heart desires. Okay, I'll violate all the mitzvahs of Hashem. And, you know, the story about once the holy rabbi, master, Rebbe Yitzchak of Ardichon, was walking out of the shul, and he sees this guy is on Yom Kippur, eating a sandwich and smoking a cigar, and he says, I envy you. He says, what are you envying me? He says, I'm a... I'm a bum. I mean, why are you envy me? He says, you know, the Talmud says that uh, people that do proper teshuva, if they repent, that all their sins turn into mitzvahs. So he says, you ma- you imagine how much mitzvahs you can do. <laughs> all you got to do is do teshuva. You get all yeah. So he, says, so he says, Rabbi, he says, wait till next year, you'll envy even more. <laughs> but, but the Rabbi said to him, entered his heart, and he actually did teshuva. But the point over here, that's the way the story goes. Now the point over here is, if a person has in mind, and he says, you know, I'm going to violate what Hashem has said, but then later on, I'm going to regret and repent, and everything's forgotten. So I have both. I, have a, I live, you know, a free life, do whatever I want, whatever the heart desires, and then I'm going to repent. So the Talmud says, Ein maspikim v'yodolasus teshuva. We don't provide for him an opportunity to do teshuva. Why? Because it turns out 
that the reason why you're sinning now is because of the tshuva. So how are we going to allow you to do tshuva? Because that causes you actually to sin, because you're relying on the tshuva, and that's you using that as an excuse, so you won't be able to do tshuva. However, the Alter Rebbe writes in the Tanya, brings down, the verse language is, Ein maspikin teshuva. We don't provide for him the opportunity to do teshuva. But, dochag v'nichnas, if you push your way in, you know, sometimes the door is closed and you can't, can't get in. Sometimes you push your way in, then you get in. It reminds me also, that unfortunately, sometimes we don't know, Hashem sometimes picks the very best of us and uh, uh, chooses for reasons known to Him to take away the holiest souls. And uh, as the story goes, with the person was coming to the supermarket over there in France to yeah. just buy a challah. Pushed his way in, basically, and then he was murdered in cold blood. You know, I mean, it's uh, very difficult to accept. But in teshuva, we have sometimes dochag v'nichnas. In other words, you don't, we don't provide you the opportunity to do teshuva. But if you push your way in, you can get in. People that have addictions or forever excuses, and maybe it's actually very hard for them. We can't judge them. We can't really. We can never judge anybody until we're in their place. We're in their shoes. And we have to go through. The Alter Rebbe also articulates in the Tanya, and he says that a person who has the opportunity to study, he's sitting in the uh, study hall, and he's uh, occupied in learning, cannot even begin to imagine the struggle what a person who sits in the marketplace and he sees all kinds of things and how his uh, burning inclination is like a fire into, in order to resist he says, do you pray with such intensity that it would take for the other one to resist their temptation? He says, there's no comparison. That's a very, very difficult struggle. It's an impossible struggle. People say it's impossible. That's why they fail, because they can't, they can't help themselves. That's what they say. So it is true on a, on a certain level they can't help themselves, but at the end of the day, we're still responsible. You could help yourself. You dare, you, you have to. And... Of course, you have to always look for ways and means to help yourself overcome your struggles because there are a lot of tools that you can use to give yourself, to boost yourself up, to do yourself, or as they say, that, you know, comes at nighttime when you want to eat, you know, go just go to sleep or get out of the kitchen, you know, just do, do certain things that you know that you know is not good for you and they then help yourself that way. But there is... I mean, other people say, hey, why can't you do it? I can do it. And we don't know. We don't know. Everybody has their own struggles and everybody has their own challenges in their lives. And it, it manifests itself in various different ways. It's not the only one way. And each one has their own, uh, their own ex- life experiences, what they deal with and what they struggle with. But the point here is we can't blame anybody else. And we can't really use it as an excuse. We know that it's very hard, so somebody else can't judge us, but we are responsible. So, Pharaoh, Hashem made it hard, made it impossible for him, made it very difficult. It doesn't mean that he didn't really have the opportunity at the end of the day. He could have, if he wanted to, he could have pushed his way in, and he could have done. And for that, he's, 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 he's going to get punished. So, when Moshe Rabbeinu says to him, Moshe says to him, if you're not going to send out, that's a genuine statement. Because, yeah, you could send out. You could still send out. I'm not going to make it easy for you, but you could send out. That's not. And still, it's also true that Hashem made it hard for him. So they're both true. The true is that it's very hard for him. It's unusually hard. And still, 
you have to pay for your bad decision. Mm -hmm. And you know, we live in a society today where, as we mentioned before, everybody has excuses. And there's a lot of people that do have excuses, some minorities, some people have been discriminated against, and some people have been uh, not given the opportunity. Those are true. Those, a lot of them are, a lot of them is actually facts that are here. But you cannot, at the end of the day, use that as your final excuse because you have, each of us has the freedom of choice to decide to do what we can do, what we should do. And if we don't choose that, notwithstanding our difficulties, then we are responsible. And that's it. We can't blame anybody else. Like I said one time in the, uh, in the, you know, it says that when God came to Adam and he said to Adam, he says, why'd you eat from the tree? She made me do it. She made me do it, he says. And that's why the Medrash says that his response to God was, I ate and I'll eat again. So where does it say in the verse? He said, no. He says, my wife... Because as long as you don't take responsibility, you're blaming somebody else, we know you're going to do it again. Because if you don't take responsibility for what you do, then you're always going to, it's going to be just a cycle. It's just going to happen again because you didn't live up. Now, it doesn't mean sometimes you take responsibility and you still do it. You may do it again anyways. But at least there's a beginning over there of taking accountability, taking stock and being responsible. And then hopefully, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can build on and create for yourself and for others a better life and make the world a better place. Thank right. you for bringing the Parsha into our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I want about to say that so instead of saying Hashem took away his freedom of choice, I wanted to say that Hashem yeah, but Hashem says that he, but there's verses, Hashem says, I know he will not let them all go because I've hardened his heart. So on this simple level, it, we don't have that distinction of, of, of making it hard and having still a choice. That's what we're saying in a deeper level that exists also. In the very simple level, it doesn't seem so simple that, you know? The same through the whole time, because we all have the same name. Right. See, it, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, and the first time in Shemos, when it says over there, a new king stood up. So over there we have two opinions Rashi brings down. Uh, whether it's really a new king, uh, or it was just that he had new decrees, it's the same old pharaoh. So there's two opinions over there. But then when it says specifically in the verse, and the king of Egypt died, and the Jewish people were sighing out of the pain, over there Rashi says he didn't really die. <laughs> over there the verse says that he died. It says he died. They, they went. Over there Rashi says that he didn't die, he got leprosy. And because he got leprosy, it's like dead. So, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. So, okay, so you said, and I like this, I really like this point, um, that when you blame somebody else, mm -hmm. you're going to do it again. Probably. When, if you take accountability, you might still do it again. But if you take accountability, you, you have an awareness that you have choice. Right. If you're blaming someone else, you're going to do it again. You don't even know that you're, Absolutely. you don't even know you have that yeah. choice. Yeah. So taking accountability gives you the power to make the choice. Right, absolutely. All what I was going to say is people that know and take responsibility still make mistakes. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean it's the beginning of the cure, but it doesn't mean you're not uh, absolutely. Why, you know. why is it specifically these four, frogs, animals, uh, 
That's for another. That's for another class. You got to figure that out. You got to figure out why. No, we got that. We got to go start. No, I'm sure there is something to figure out about each one of them. But I first wanted to. First, I wanted to show at the first level that there is a difference. Some is this way, some is that way, so that we get an idea. And then, why exactly? Wait, that's another. I gotta go.